Welcome to the Freedom Nation podcast with Jeff Kickle. On this show, Jeff shares his expertise in financial and retirement planning from a different perspective. Planning for your Freedom Day, which is the first day that you wake up and have enough income or assets and do not have to go to work that day. Learn how to calculate what you need, how to generate income sources, and listen to interviews from others who've done it themselves. Get ready to experience your own Freedom Day. Hey everybody, it's Jeff here once again with the Freedom Nation podcast, and today I've got Rob Broadhead on. Rob is uh, what you would call a fractional chief information or chief technology officer. I don't know if he calls himself that, but it's what everybody kind of calls it nowadays. It's the cool thing. And Rob is has got a great story, and it begins all the way back in 2001 during September 11th. So uh, with that leading in, Rob, how are you doing, bud? I am doing great. I appreciate you being on the show today. Appreciate well, um, why don't we start off? Tell us your story. Tell us uh, how you got to where you're at today. My story is uh, a sort of fun one. Um, now, especially now looking back, <laughs> uh, I was working for a startup a little over 20 years ago now, and it was one of these that was everything was great. It was a fun job, like the people I was working with. And every other Friday, they'd come around and they handed you checks. Those were actually like written things. It's, mm. Everything was digital. And we sit there one Friday afternoon and the, the CEO comes around and he says, oh, I'm sorry, I don't have checks today. <laughs> it's like, okay, why not? And well, we don't have quite the funding. So sorry, guys. You know, we'll, we'll, we're going to do the best we can. We'll try to get you, you know, something next week. Mm-hmm. Well, that's like a big warning flag that said, time to move on. I'm like, I need to find a job where I actually get paid, no matter how much fun I'm having. Mm-hmm. It ain't that fun. <laughs> And so I reached out some some past people I'd worked with, and one said, "Hey, we've got this great big project coming up. It's going to be you know minimum year and a half. We've already got um, or ten, fifteen people on the team. You'd be a great fit. You know, just all we need is that we need you to have a to incorporate. I can't have you just come mm-hmm. in as, a, as an independent contractor." And I said, "Okay, I can figure that thing out." And in the next week or two, figured it out, incorporated, said, "Great, I've got a consulting company. Let's start." So September 10th, 2001, I started and everything was great. And then said, I roll in and everything went to hell in a handbasket, basically. And so that started me right away with that concept in my mind for my business of it can fall apart immediately. It like, mm-hmm. everything can just be a train wreck. Mm-hmm. And everything that you think is you, you've got, everything you've planned can completely change. You, you just got it accelerated on you a little faster than most people do. Usually it takes about 18 months for people to figure that out. You got it done like 18 hours. <laughs> it's not so much I'm a quick learner, but it was like the event hit me. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, you know, it's, it's, it is, it's one of those things. It's like, it's, I don't want to say life changing probably too much, but it is, it's very, since it's a formative time of your business, yeah. it becomes something that you always have in mind. And so moving forward over the next, you know, basically the next 10 years or so, I would, you know, I would do my best, but it's a feast or famine approach to consulting. Sometimes you have really good years, sometimes you don't. And especially through all of the, the different, you know, like the dot-com burst and some of the other things you just, and market and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes it was easier for me from a, especially from a risk point of view, and particularly because I was just, it was just me. Mm-hmm. I grew 
moved to a certain side, I just had contractors. So I didn't have any employees, I didn't have anything I really had to worry about. So if business fell off, it was real easy for me to just take a job. If somebody said, hey, you know, we'll, we'll just, we'd like you to come in as an employee. And I would usually say, you know, something along the lines of, hey, I don't think that's going to be good in the long run because I like to do different stuff. I'd like to come in, fix stuff, automate it, do whatever is needed so that I'm not, so that I basically eliminate my job. Mm-hmm. Say, well, that's great. We've got a lot of work for you. But over the next several years, found out that more often than not, my initial gut ends correct. And then I finally got to a point where uh, about 10 years ago that I was in a situation where it sort of worked out well is that I got, they brought in somebody that was my same position. It was a, I was working for a company. They brought me in as a, the first technical person. I was effectively the CTO, CIO, uh, you know, whatever that, you know, lead technical person. They had a CEO come in and he had his own CIO, CTO person that came with him. And it's like, hey, we've got two people doing the same job. That doesn't make sense. And ended up working in a situation where I left, but I was consulting. Mm-hmm. The perfect way to start a, a consulting company is to already have a customer that's paying you, you know, effectively what I was getting paid before. And now I've got the opportunity also some extra hours to go grow and take some of the side hustle things I was doing and you know, make those things bloom so that now I had a, a full schedule. Yeah. I've had, yeah, had that essentially ever since because I said this time, yeah, I, I loved what I was doing, but I said this time I'm, I'm sticking with this. It's, I've, I've had a couple of these times where I've had a good day where I come up, I wake up the next day and it's like I am my own boss. I don't have anything to worry about but what I decide to worry about for the, the company and decided, one, I said I liked that a lot. And mm-hmm. two, my life was in a situation with just the freedom that that gives, the flexibility that that gives. It was just, it had gotten to the point where it's too valuable to me mm-hmm. to be able, because I had too many, all these other things that I had going on outside of work, outside of you know business, all my personal life. And that. I said, There's, I just need to be able to control my schedule. Yeah. And dove in from there. I was like, all right, from here on out, this is what I'm going to do. Well, let's talk about that. So if somebody is sitting out there and they were kind of, they, they were sitting in the chair that you were in 2001, what do you think, you know, now after almost 20 years that it takes to be a successful consultant? Um, it's honestly the, the biggest thing that, and I've talked with numerous consultants over the years and, and had these kinds of conversations. It really is, I think, more having the right business approach to it because I mean, most people if they've gotten to the point where they say i wonder if i can be a consultant mm-hmm. skill wise they can be and that's whether it's a uh, like a software development or whether it's web design or whether it's marketing or everybody i know that is a a consultant or has thought about it you look at their resume you look at what they can do their connections they have the the ability to do it mm-hmm. the challenge is going in with enough of one with your eyes wide open to know that hey this this is now on you so if business dries up you know you're you're not gonna have money coming in you don't have like a you know steady paycheck Mm -hmm. you're now gonna you know it's uh if you're if you're in sales or something where you live on commissions you know that's nothing new for you but for people that are used to a regular you know regular paycheck that makes a difference and that means that you need to have some sort of a you have to have a a stash or some sort of a runway that says, Hey, I'm going to do this for 
you know, I'd say at least, you know, six months to a year or something like that is being in a situation where you say, hey, we're going to do this and it may be tough. I may have to, you know, eat ramen again and act like a college, college student, but I'm going to drive forward with this because you, it takes time sometimes to build that stuff up. Even if you you come into it and you've already got some customers, which mm -hmm. usually you can, you can find people you've worked with in the past, things like that. So on day one, you've got a customer or multiple customers. You have effectively, you know, some revenue flow coming in, mm -hmm. but you've got to be ready for that to dip down. And in that case, to be able to ride out that storm, so that you can come out on the other end and you can you can really focus on the business and do what you need to and not have those ebbs and flows, you know, basically just take you out of it completely. Yeah, that's amazing. So tell me a little bit about, um, you know, as you made that transition, what did you have to do from your perspective, at least, you know, your kind of your environment uh, that you had to create for yourself? What, did, what helped you to be successful within your environment? Definitely the... The thing that helped me be successful is I had, it, this wasn't like a spur of the moment. I had had it in my mind for a while that I wanted to, at some point, work for myself. Uh, consulting was, I was sort of torn. I, I ideally would have just had a software development company and even more so be my boss and just have, you know, miraculously a large number of customers that paid me enough money that I could just solve their problems with, with this software. But I was still positioning to be, in the same way, a technical person on my own. Hmm. So I, would, I would look at stuff like around my office. What are the things, and this was back when I had a, you know, when we had an office at work. It's a little different now with remote, and I'll talk about that in a second. But uh, for me, it was like, okay, what do I get from an office that I'm not going to have at home? And this was back when it was, you know, you didn't have like wireless and internet and stuff like that. You did, but it was you know, dial up. And if you were, and most people at home had dial up and then maybe you had something, you know, you got some extra high speed stuff in. And so I had to consider that. I was like, Hey, I only had, a, you know, I need, so I needed to get the highest speed modem that I could so that I could have an internet connection. Cause I, I needed that for email and everything else. I needed, I looked like phone. I, want, I needed to have a speaker phone because this is before everybody had cell phones. You had to, you know, I had to have headphones because I've got, had kids and family and noises. So I had to have a way to be able to hear. Uh, I had to have a printer. I had, had a fax machine. It's just business tools and accessories. And this included, for me, it was, it was software. There's certain, you know, like licensed software mm. that you use at work that you don't think about it until you don't have that license. You know, yeah. Now, a lot of stuff includes like, you know, Word and Excel and email client and some things like that, but it didn't at that time necessarily. So you had to go out and buy all of these other things. And that was all stuff that over that period of time, I would just like say, oh, I need to get this. I need to get that. So I slowly built my way into having comfort enough to be in an office. And mm -hmm. even had a couple of times that I did... Um, even a few years before I, I went on my own, I would have days where I'd basically say, hey, I'm, I'm essentially it was a sick day, but then try working from home. Yeah. And actually was able to early on be able to do you know some remote work because I would do that. I'd say, hey, I got this and this and this and this done. And the guys I worked for and the girls I worked for would say like, wow, you're pretty, you know, pretty effective working from home. Mm -hmm. I said, hey, I've got something coming up. I need to do a work from home day. They said, you know, we'll, we'll allow that. And it was yeah. Off the books, but 
if you can do it, if you can prove it, then it makes that easier. And so that allowed me to to test out working on my own completely. Mm-hmm. And then every time, you know, if there was something missing, it was like it went on a little to do list. Like, oh, I got to get one of those, or I need to have access to that mm-hmm. to get to the point where I can run my own business. Now these days with the remote, a lot of that stuff you already are going to start having. I mean, people. A lot of companies are going to push you to, you know, have a, a good internet, high-speed internet connection and, and wireless. But there are things like they may give you a company laptop. Well, mm-hmm. if you don't work for them, you don't get their company laptop. I mean, they, they may give it to you, but that's probably not going to happen. And so there's things like that that you, and there's things that people get used to at work where they've got like, you know, two huge monitors on their desk. You may not be able to spend enough money to have two huge monitors on your desk at, at home. You need to have a desk at home. You know, some people are, if you're working remote, it may be okay to sit on a couch for a while or hang out in bed and work there or wherever your your remote office is. But if you're doing it every day, day in and day out, which I think people sort of learned over the last couple of years through some of the COVID stuff, is that you've got to be more comfortable. You've got to be in a situation where you're not like, you know, curled up in fetal position with a laptop on your knees for eight hours a day, five days a week. It's still amazing to me, though, that, I mean, even after two years of all this, almost three years now, I still see people sitting at their, you know, doing Zoom calls at their kitchen table. And, you know, it's, it's just shocking to me that you wouldn't have figured out some way to, to you know, create an office or at least some kind of comfortable environment to work out of. But then you have, I mean, you do have, that was one of the other amazing things is that even about that time, I mean, you start about four or five years ago, I think. Uh, it's amazing how often you'd see in like a, a Panera or a yeah. Starbucks. That's like their office. They would go in, they'd get their cup of coffee or whatever, get a meal. They would set up on a corner and just crank away, you know, throw some headphones on and they would have business calls. they get work mm-hmm. done. So there, there are places that you can. I, I, I had that life. I ended up creating or I ended up founding co-working spaces as a result of that. Because I was like, okay, I I can't. I can't, you know, because I was doing financial or, you know, individual financial planning and things like that. You can't do that from a restaurant, you know. And the co-working spaces were huge. When those things started to, to show up a few years ago, that was, I was, the first time I ran into one of those, I was, and that was, I was consulting with somebody. It was an out-of-town meeting and they managed to, you know, they said, oh, well, we can do this off-site. And they, they did it at like, I think it was an e-spaces was, was the one. Okay. It's the first time I even, I'd sort of heard of it a little bit, but the first time I'd ever been to one, I thought mm-hmm. it they do on like, you know, Silicon Valley or something. Yeah. Like that. Oh, and I said, well, this is, this is awesome. And looked into it and I even spent about a year, I had about a year and a half, two years that I had had one because it just worked out yeah. my normal daily routine. It was easier for me to be at that office than it was actually to work out of home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. So what's, uh, what's really the focus going forward for your business? Anything new that you're really focused on? Really? It's, in the last year or so, it's it's really been more, um, I think, more like a stable growth kind of pattern. Okay. Like that, I for years I just had contractors, and it made it really simple to be to be limber and agile and do what I needed to. And about two years ago, I started shifting a little bit, and and part of it's because of what I want to provide for my customers. Hmm. I would go into customers of you know, and it's usually small to medium sized businesses. So you're talking, you know, maybe maybe 50, 100 employees, 200, something like that. But they're usually, it's where they're, they're taking a step from uh, like maybe entrepreneur to now I'm actually building out a business or I'm a little business and now I'm going to go to multiple locations or I'm going to, you know, that growth kind of pattern. Mm-hmm. Also, 
technology type thing. It's this kind of stuff where you you have to do, have almost like a watershed where you say, hey, we we had all this stuff we did when it was me and my cousin working on it, but now we're hiring employees and now we're dealing with bigger customers and we have processes that we need to create. We need to automate these and we need to integrate with other systems. Well, in doing that, there's usually some uh, very high-end technical skills that are useful to bring in, at, at, particularly from a consulting point of view. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's done this stuff and it can help walk you through. You know, like, as you mentioned, it's the, the cool kids call it a you know, fractional CIO. Something like that is have somebody that comes in that can tell you what technology is out there and help you plan where where to go. Yeah. But then there's also an implementation side to that, and you don't want to pay that fractional CTO to get the stuff done. Mm-hmm. And I was finding that initially it was like there's some offshore companies that I worked with. I knew some people that was like, hey, these this group is good and they can help you get this software, custom software you need built or the customizations you need or install these things. And some of them were local. They were on, you know, near shore, onshore. And the more I worked with it, the more I realized that I was going back to these, these developers and technicians and having to sort of train them up. Yeah. They go do their thing. And I finally said, you know what, I'm going to just, I'm going to train up my one. I want to train up my own group so I can just have people that I know are available. I don't have to say, uh, I'll get a list. I'll talk to some people. I'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. But also, I wanted to start being able to have people grow into what I do, so I could scale out that a little. Yeah. Bit. Say, hey, here's yeah. You know, they may not know everything, but it's like okay, start with they understand like integrations. So if you need to integrate with a you know payment processor, which just about everybody does these days, like hey, I can I can come in and talk to you about a few things, but now I'm going to let you go spend some time with this lower cost resource that is going to be able to get you the high quality stuff. I'll still be around. I can help you out and make sure that you get that, you know, that quality polished product, but we can do it at a lower rate. So it's not going to cost you as much as it would otherwise. And so it's sort of a, you know, a, a just in time pricing kind of model kind of thing. And it mm-hmm. allows me an excuse to bring people in and mentor them up and grow yeah. them individually. And so it's, it's something that's me giving back into that technical community Mm-hmm. It also allows me to help out customers to say, hey, I can really, now I can really help you and give you very in-depth solutions and not feel like it's it's overpriced or yeah. you know, under, you know, underpricing me or giving you some sort of cut rate on my time. I can give you people that's a, that's a better fit for what your needs are. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the other part of it, too, is probably the amount of time that you would have spent having to train them up. To get them to that point, okay, you, now you don't have to do that. So you can come to market a little bit faster. And as long as you know you've got predictable customers coming in, I mean, you can you can scale up a little bit from that. And that's and that's sort of been the that's been the challenge. But the fun part is finding employees that have a broad enough skill set. Yeah, that I can I can bring them in, and I just know that I'm going to grow. And I don't know exactly how I'm going to grow, but it's enough. You know, it's. I bring them in with a broad enough skill set that that actually helps the the customer as well because it, it makes us we're not like a you know, a Microsoft shop or a, mm-hmm. a React shop or a Java shop or something like that. We're we're very technical, technically yeah. agnostic. So it's more about meeting the customer where they're at and what is your needs and whether that's building something, whether that's helping you buy something or put a RFP process or whatever those things are. It's it's finding resources and building up a company of people that where it's like, Hey, I can, 
I can spend a little bit of time with this person. I can help direct them. Or if they hit a wall, I can help them out. Mm-hmm. And I do as a customer to get the, the best of both worlds. You know, you get the, it's, it's like, you know, when you buy a car, it's, you, it's not like you only have, which is a lot of cases, you either have the Porsche or like the little, I don't know, you know like the little rinky dink Hugo or something like that. Yeah. Just to get you something that's a better fit for what you need as a customer. Mm-hmm. And it, it also allows for longer term uh, relationships because sure. now I, come in, I can build this for you. We can help build it. And then I've got people that they knew what it was. They're available. You make them available to you so you can do maintenance and enhancements and things like that. That's great. Well, and like I said, I, I just, I, it's interesting to, to hear, you know, you were an overnight success. So, you know, <laughs> 20 year overnight success. But yeah, I mean, like I said, you're moving in the right direction of, of being able to scale. I mean, that's the only way you could scale up. So those of you that are business owners listening, turn that back, reverse it again, listen to him again on how he did that, because that is key. I mean, I, I saw it in my own businesses and I don't even start a business anymore without thinking about what that scaling is going to look like down the road, you know, and you have to kind of build that into your thought process because otherwise you're just going to get in there and you're going to be fighting alligators and, and not have time to think through it. You've got to be able to step back. It isn't very different from taking that step initially because you, no. if you're if you're an employee, you have that that safety net, that comfort. And a lot of people, that first step to go be self-employed is a little it's it's a little scary. And it's, mm. it's, it's, you, even if you know you can do it, there's still that well, I'm yeah, that's that momentum. I'm just comfortable. Yeah, here. sure. And you get in the same thing in a business. You can get to a certain level, and that's a lot of what I actually it was sort of you know drinking my own uh, my own medicine essentially because I talk to customers all the time and say, hey, you can you're like plateaued. Here's some things you can do to take the next step. And finally, I was in a conversation. I was like, why don't I do that? I like, yeah, wait a minute here. <laughs> what to do? It's like I should do the same thing. If I pay yeah. my own advice, I can go grow this out. And wanted to had you know good reason to other than just other than just to grow it. It's like hey, I'm mm-hmm. going to help more people. I want to be more effective to yeah. serve them. And it's the same thing. You you know you've got to keep. It's easy to get comfortable, but mm-hmm. it's very effective. Just I think everybody should periodically just sort of do a self assessment. Say where am I at? Mm-hmm. Where am I? You know, am I getting comfortable? And maybe it's more like, what is the next step? As because we yeah. we are, if we if we don't have that next step, then we're probably getting too comfortable. Just- yeah, and if you're not good at that, find somebody that can help you do it. <laughs> find a good coach that can help you, or a good mentor that can help you to do that. Because um, I, I think every business hits those walls, and you've got to be able to step back and and get you know beyond that wall, or or bust, you know bust through it and move on to the next level. Exactly. Awesome. Even world-class athletes are always like, well, what's my, I want to get, I want to win the award again. Yep. And world-class athletes have one, two, three coaches in most cases, you know, that, that work on mindset. They work on, you know, technical skills and whatever. So awesome. Well, let's, uh, let's shift gears, Rob, and talk about the fast five questions here real quick. Okay. All right. So uh, first question, you wake up in the morning, business is totally gone. You have 500 bucks in your pocket, a laptop computer, a place to live. What are you going to do first? I think um, probably the first thing I'm going to do is figure out where best to spend that that 500, which is probably going to be some sort of a marketing kind of a of an approach. So it's going to be, you know, what's my product going to be? And it, mm-hmm. 
my head. Maybe not. You know, maybe it's not, like maybe my product is how to avoid what I just went through. <laughs> then it's going to be do some research to figure out what's out there and then try to figure out where that thing's going to fit. What is a you know, what's the if I need to market or advertise, if I need to go you know, like be a part of a conference or something like that, where is the best use of that to mm-hmm. get the word out? And that's going to be part of my plan of what am I going to build or what am I going to, you know, what is my next step going to be? And it's going to be to help me let other people know about it when I take that step. Brilliant. What's a, a business mistake, your biggest business mistake that you ever made? Um. Actually, probably the biggest business mistake I made was, was again, very like right away hmm. uh, with that customer, the very first customer I had, I ended up essentially giving them a large amount of credit. Okay. Uh, like, about as far as AR, as they were, you know, I'd send stuff in and the receivables just kept building up. And that would just be like, hey, I, you know, I'd love to get a check for some of this stuff. <laughs> we'll get it to you. We'll get it to you. And finally, it went for like three months, three to four months that they had. And I finally got to the point where I was like, I, I've got to stop working for you. I have to actually, I, I love working for you. It's great, but only if I get paid. Yeah. So it was one of those that I just didn't, I really didn't start rattling cages soon enough. Mm-hmm. And, it, and that's another thing. As a lesson learned early on, I, I figured out with any given customer, what's my sort of my credit limit I can give them. Mm-hmm. And if they start bumping up against that, I'm going to let them know and say, "Hey, this is a you know this is something that I need you to you know to pay or or cover part of this or do something, or else we're going to have to change the arrangement." Yeah, no, I agree with you, and that it's hard as a, a business person because you just want to do the work and the whole collecting part's the sucky part, but uh, it's the part that you got to get past <laughs> if you're if you're going to survive. What's a good book that you would recommend for our audience? There's a, I have read a lot of good ones. Um, I think the one that probably there's a couple, I think the one that I would recommend because it's, it's got such a wide appeal is, uh, it's never split the difference. Yes. And, um, it is, it really is just, it's fascinating because it's, it's written by a guy that was an ex uh, FBI negotiator. I think it was FBI. Yep. Yeah. He was a hostage negotiator. Yeah, he's a hostage, and it's it's just fascinating hearing that mindset, but then also taking that and applying that to just negotiations in general. And mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff there that's about just uh, interpersonal relationships, and it's a it's really a fascinating book that I think is it can it can apply to anybody regardless of where you're at or what your focus is. There's a lot to learn from it. Yeah, he's uh, he's also got a great YouTube channel, uh, so you can actually kind of see him in action which he's even scarier than he is in the book. <laughs> so, he was a speaker at a conference. Yeah. He was so intense. And yep. it was one of those that I it was like, you know, I was, I forgot to take notes cause I was so. <laughs> yeah. He's an amazing dude. So yeah, I, I totally, I agree with the book. I, I've had it for years and I read it ever so often. Um, cause I just, I am fascinated with that. What is a tool that you use in your business every day that you might recommend for our audience? Um, boy, there are several of those. Um, mm. I would say probably the one that I use the most that's, that's not your like you know, your super common ones maybe mm. is um, called DB Visualizer, and this is okay. a technical thing, but it is uh, it is a tool that runs on pretty much whatever you, you know whether you're Apple, Mac, whatever. And it 
you can point it at a database and you can actually read through data just like you would spreadsheets or something. Huh? And so for a lot of people, when they, whether it's an access database or whether they need to deal with you know, some company database or something like that, sometimes that's a lot faster, easier way for them to see data and, and to especially get non-technical people to see how things look in a, in a database and uh, you know, be able to, to review it, review it, and things like that. It doesn't have like a ton of reporting, but it does have mm. and stuff like that. So it's, it's not quite to the level of like business objects or some of these like business intelligence type tools, mm. but it would be like a super poor man's version of it. They've got a free yeah. version which you can see data. And then there's, I think, I can't remember what it is. I think they're like maybe a hundred bucks a year or something if you, if you get a license and they give you free updates. But it's really good for just sort of poking your way through data. And it's, more often than not, we're finding, you know, that's becoming a, a pretty common need is this, yeah. everybody has data as a, a large. Well, it, it, yeah, and it's not just the property of the, the wonks in the back room anymore. It's everybody is using that to, to run their business. And so, yeah, you have to make it easier for the people that are not as technical to be able to understand it and, and the people that are more visual as well. Exactly. So last question, what is your definition of freedom? My definition of freedom is my definition of freedom is being able to make your own decisions, okay. and not have them. I mean, there's there's always going to be context and things like that, and there's going to be things that impact you. But being mm -hmm. able to actually make that decision to not have things where it's like, oh, I, I would rather do this, but I have to do that because mm -hmm. A, B, and C. It's like. The freedom is where well, I would rather do that. I see that as a smarter way to go. So that's the way I'm going to go. Hmm. Love it. Love it. So, uh, Rob, if somebody needs to get a hold of you or is interested in, in reaching out to you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, best way is probably email. Uh, okay. Rob at rb-sns.com. And then rb-sns.com is my site. We've got, um, I do regular, there's blog stuff out there. There's a lot of things about, articles and, and white papers and things around the idea of what, it, you know, if you need to build a solution or if you're wondering what kind of technical resources you need, there's a lot of helpful hints there. Perfect. Um, I've got a free, I've got a book that's basically how to do a software project and it's, it's built whether you're a technician or like a, you know, business owner or somebody that needs to figure out what is this thing supposed to look like? Hmm. Uh, and that's free. You can get that I mean, free. You can you give me an email address. So that's yeah. the, the big, it's story. a trade out. Yeah, and and also I'll do. I've got uh, a free thirty-minute consult there for anybody that's just like, "Hey, I'm trying to figure this thing out, sort of kick the tires on some project." Mm -hmm. Down and talk to them and see if we can help them out and, and get them pointed in the right direction. Brilliant. Well, thank you, Rob. I appreciate you being on the show today, um, folks. Uh, all that information will be down below in the show notes. Uh, if you want to reach out to Rob, uh, you've got an open open window there to, to just go in and reach in and have, have a conversation. So take that opportunity if you can. Uh, as always, we bring these shows to you twice a week. Uh, one show is a little bit more about freedom and the, the other one is uh, an interview with people like Rob. So uh, make sure that you subscribe to the channel wherever you're at, um, whether it's video or whether it's audio, make sure you subscribe because we do tend to do a few extra little free shows that pop in there occasionally. And if you don't know that, uh, you're going to miss them. So thanks a lot. We appreciate you being here. Thank you, Rob, for being on today. Thank you for having me. 
And we will see everybody back here next time. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Nation podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and all the major channels. Wherever you're listening, please subscribe to the channel and leave a rating and review. If you have friends and family that could benefit from their own Freedom Day, please share with them. Finally, join Freedom Nation by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 